Hello and welcome. My name is Jackie Lindahl and this is the Fit Like a Girl podcast. I am a mom, wife, an avid coffee drinker and weightlifter, as well as a personal trainer. And I own my own company called Fit Like a Girl Personal Training. In this podcast, I will help you reach your weight loss and fitness goals with no BS advice, cutting through all the myths and the crap that is out there so that you feel empowered and confident in reaching your goals. Along with fitness and health, I will also talk about many other subjects like mom stuff, life stuff, business, money, and so much more. So grab a coffee or put on your headphones and go for a walk and let's chat. Hello and welcome back to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Jackie Lindahl. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we can do life update time. Let's do some life update time. So little bit of a life update uh, before I get into today's topic. I, I mean, nothing too major going on in life, but just a little like, let's check in. Um, so I am currently 20, just about 26 weeks pregnant. By the time I release this podcast, I will be 26 weeks pregnant. Um, I am feeling good. I am getting bigger and bigger, feeling bigger and bigger by the minute. I know not everybody's super interested in listening to my pregnancy. So, I mean, if you want to skip ahead a couple minutes, you can, that's fine. Um, but I am feeling definitely this time around a lot bigger than previously, but everything's going well. I have some more testing, just root test, routine testing that my doctor wants me to do. Like, gestational diabetes test that I have to do in the next week. And then I have to do another ultrasound just to double check dating, um, for baby and stuff like that. But otherwise everything's going good. Um, typical with, or typical to like when I was pregnant with my daughter, uh, everything during my pregnancy. And thankfully this is not a complaint. This is a very grateful thing that I have, um, because I know not every woman has the same experience, but everything, every appointment that I went to, everything's just like normal. Everything's normal, 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 which is exactly what I want. So I am of course keeping fingers crossed for continuing just normal, normal, normal throughout the rest of my pregnancy and nothing abnormal or unusual or above average, uh, or below average. And that everything just stays normal. I understand that a lot of women don't have that and they have complicated and hard pregnancies and stuff. And I hold space for you because that is hard. Pregnancy is hard enough. Never mind having a complicated pregnancy. Ugh. But anyway, so as far as that is all going, it is going well. Um, as far as like current life, I have a poor toddler right now who is sick. She started daycare last week and which is great. I think that it'll be really good for her. It'll be a big adjustment, but literally two days at daycare, that's all she did last week. And she came home with like a brutal cold. Like this is probably one of the worst colds that she's ever actually had. I did a rapid test for COVID it was negative. I know the rapid tests aren't hundred percent accurate, but right now where I live getting like an actual PCR test is super hard to get. Um, or you have to pay for it, which I'm not really needing to do right now. Um, so yeah, she's doing okay though. Poor thing. But I feel like with her hacking and coughing and sneezing in my face for the last few days, I am <laughs> just dreading that I will likely be going down for the count along with her. So thanks kid. I appreciate that. Um, 
Yeah. So we had a really brutal night the other night where she was, of course, stuffy nose, not feeling well, overtired. And then we just had like a terrible night. It was just one of those nights where, you know, you get like 45 minutes to an hour of sleep at a time broken up overnight. So you only get like three hours, but it's not really three hours because it's not even consecutive three hours. Anyways, it was completely brutal. Um, reminded me of like newborn days or like days where she was going through sleep regressions. And I mean, those days are very far and few between where she has rough sleeps now because she is a little bit older. So I guess, I don't know, maybe setting me up for when this next baby comes and I'm going to be having those nights again all over. Uh, so anyways, it was just a rough night. So last night, literally no word of a lie, no word of exaggeration. I was in bed at 8 PM, like not in bed, sitting on my phone at 8 PM. I was like in bed, lights out, phone off, not answering text messages, not nothing asleep. I was in a dead sleep. I was so tired from the night before. I didn't hear my husband come in. I didn't hear his alarm go off. I didn't hear him leave in the morning. I was so tired and I slept until like 7 AM this morning. And I felt like a whole new person. And like my daughter, same last night, she was overtired. She didn't nap. She wasn't feeling well. She wasn't eating. So I put her to bed at seven because she kept trying to fall asleep on the couch. I was like, Hey, that's just, you just go to bed. She slept until like eight o'clock this morning. So she's not significantly better today, but like her, she at least has, she still has a cough and a stuffy nose and all that kind of stuff. But like no major chain, you know, she doesn't have a fever. She's at least not super overtired and cranky. So anyways, yeah, that's my life update. Um, but anyways, segueing into the podcast episode while I was awake with her in the middle of the night, a couple nights ago, um, of course just started thinking and I thought about this podcast idea. So we're going to do it today because I know when I started the podcast, I said that I was going to talk about various different topics. I was going to talk about fitness. I was going to talk about mom life and business and stuff like that. So I realized I haven't actually really talked about like the business side of things of being a personal trainer. So this topic came to mind. I hope that, you know, it's at least interesting. I realize that not everybody who listens to me is interested in being a self-employed personal trainer, but maybe it's something that at least you can get some information of. Or if you are that person who is thinking about getting into the fitness industry and being a self-employed personal trainer, I have some tips, some advice, things that I wish I would have told myself, things that I would tell other people if they're interested in being a personal trainer. Um, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today is tips that I can give to personal trainers starting out. Now, I have not been in the fitness industry for a crazy long time. I've been in the fitness industry for about five years now, full time in the fitness industry for uh, over a little over four years now, about four years, um, where I like quit my last job and started this um, doing personal training full time. So I don't have like 20 years of experience, 10 years of experience, but I have some experience and things that I've learned the hard way, things that I've been told by other trainers, things that I've just discovered for myself that I would love to pass on. And I'm sure in another five, 10, 15, 20 years, I will have way more things that I can tell you and talk to you about. But these are just some run of the mill things that if you were thinking about getting into the fitness industry, thinking about becoming a personal trainer, some tips that I can give you. And for those who maybe aren't, this might give you some insight on like what goes through your trainer's mind or what goes through a coach's mind and the kind of background of their business and things like that and how, you know, how it all kind of works. So anyways, we'll get into it. 
So I don't have any particular amazing order. I just, you know, was thinking and riffed off a bunch of things that I would love to have known when I first started or things that I would tell somebody if they asked me. Uh, so there's no particular order to these. They're just things that I thought about. So the first thing is, the first thing that I would suggest if you are wanting to start um, going into the fitness industry is start a social media page of some sort and give helpful tips for people. So a lot of people, when they first get into the industry or when they first get really into fitness and working out and stuff, they start a social media page kind of in vanity. Um, and what I mean by that is like, they will post their own workouts. They will post pictures of themselves shirtless in front of the mirror. They'll post their bikini competition photos. They'll post their, you know, PR of their deadlift and stuff like that. And all those things are great. All of those things are good things to post, whatever, post your accomplishments, post how hard you've been working, all that. But what the average everyday person, your potential client really wants is how to do this. Give them tips, give them, you know, the smoothie recipe that you like in the morning, give them your favorite breakfast ideas, give them tips on how to get more protein in. give them tips on your, you know, what are your favorite salads that you like to eat? Tell them about, uh, you know, how do you actually lose fat? How do you actually build muscle? Give tips because the average everyday person isn't in the fitness industry. And for a lot of us, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on with another point, a lot of people are not as dive, you know, deep into fitness and working out and all these things that a lot of this stuff isn't common everyday knowledge. So the best thing to do is to give helpful tips, break through the bullshit that's on the internet. We all know there's so much crap on the internet and give tips and advice to people. That is what they want. And then that will get to that, you know, people will, um, kind of just like an overall general business tip is like people will buy from you when they know, like, and trust you. And that's how you build that relationship online. And that's really what I've been really trying to focus on over the past few years with my social media, with my TikTok, with my Instagram and all that. And I understand my following is small. If you go on my Instagram, I don't have a big following. I really don't. But even if you have a really small following, like I do, you want to still give your followers tips and advice and make them laugh and like that kind of stuff so that they learn so that they know, get to know you and they like you and that they'll trust you so that they may one day when they're looking for personal training, coaching services, they'll turn to you and not somebody else. So that is the biggest thing. Um, is start a, so if you want to get in front of people's faces, start a social media page. And I listen to a lot of different uh, podcasts and stuff. Uh, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Jordan Syatt, who is like one of my dream podcast guests. I really hope to have him on here one day. They, he has a podcast called, um, how to be a personal trainer podcast with Michael Vacanti, and it's a great podcast. So I would also highly suggest kind of like tip number two, I guess, is go listen to that podcast because they give amazing advice and they talk a lot about also like long form content. So doing article writing and things like that, and then posting that onto your social media, website content, all that stuff. Just getting content out there into the world to help people is the main thing. Number two, don't get into the industry thinking that you're going to make a ton of money right off the bat. Yes, there are personal trainers who make a shit ton of money and do really, really well in the industry. And those people are great and we love them and all that. But at the same time, don't get into the industry thinking that you're going to be doing $10,000 a month 
you know, every single month right off the bat within the first year, even it takes a lot of work to get there. Believe me, (laughs) a lot of work, um, to get there. But at the same time, the nice thing about being a person, a self-employed, I will say self-employed personal trainer is that technically speaking, there is no limit to the amount of money that you can make. If you're inventive with it, if you, you know, do different things, all that kind of stuff, online training, in-person training, hybrid training, whatever, as if technically speaking, you can make a lot of money with it, but don't get into the industry thinking that you're going to be making crazy money right off the bat because you're, you're not, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just keep your expectations realistic. Um, the next one is find a mentor, a network, another trainer, people that you can turn to for advice. This is something that I cannot emphasize enough. Other trainers aren't really your competition. They are in some ways. Yes. If you're working at a gym and you have other trainers that, you know, you're trying to get clients and stuff like that. Sure. They can be a little bit of your competition, but they can also be your ally. If you follow other trainers, follow people that you really like and trust. And if you can find yourself a mentor, business mentor, whatever it is, but get yourself a network people that you can turn to for advice. I have a trainer that I work with, um, who I've been working with for just about four years now, four years. And he has been a great mentor to me, a great person to turn to advice. He's been training longer than me. Um, and really if I have like a client that like, I have a client right now who's currently struggling with her bench press. So, you know, I asked him for advice and we talked about it, discussed what I've been doing, what I could do better, what we can change about the program. It's just nice to have another person's opinion because especially if it's a trainer who's been in the industry longer than you, they've likely come across something similar to this and navigated their way around it. So just finding a trainer, a group of trainers, whatever it might be, a network that you can turn to for advice. You know, if you're struggling with a client, having issues with a client, not really sure what to do, or just, I would love some advice on variations of this. What do you think about that for you know, business idea or a training idea, but it's just great to have a network of people being, uh, you know, a personal trainer can sometimes feel a little bit isolating, uh, especially since like, it's not a super common job. So finding people who are also within the industry that can kind of understand and sympathize a little bit with you, as well as help give you advice and tips on things on how to grow your business, how to serve your clients better, all that kind of stuff is really really, I cannot express how valuable that is and how it will be to you being a better trainer and better doing better in your business and serving your clients better. The next one is get to know your clients. For me, one of the advantages that I feel like that I really have with my clients is I like to really get to know them. I want to know their mom and dad's names. I want to know their kids' names. I want to know their dog's name. I want to know what they do for work, what their days are like, what they do for fun, who they call when they're upset. I really love to get to know my clients. Number one, because it gives me an idea of what's going on in their life. Do they have five kids that they're trying to attend to? Uh, Do they have a really high stress job? Like they're an emergency room doctor or nurse or something like that, that maybe 
these types of things can come up as obstacles, right? Kids get sick and you got to stay home. Kids get you sick. You know, having a high stress job where you're on call doing all of these things, it's good to really get to know your clients so you can help them better. As well as it's a great thing just to talk to them about stuff. Like when I'm with my in-person clients, I just like to chat with them and just you know, let them vent, let them talk about it. You know, people will always joke about how personal training is really kind of like being a therapist and it's true. Your clients will tell you things. And, but at the same time, it's nice to kind of be that person that they can open up to invent to, to a point. I mean, obviously if we're facing some serious mental health issues and stuff like that, we got to call in outside resources, but like if they're mad because their teenagers being a jackass and they just want to vent to you about that, or their husband didn't do the dishes and they're pissed about it, you can be that person that they can vent to in their day. Some people don't have that. So I really enjoy getting to know my clients for those reasons. And also even with my online clients, because it is harder to build that relationship versus in person with my online clients, I still want to know, like, I'll ask about their kids, how's work, how's things. So that when we do like, for example, my check-in phone calls that I do with my clients once a month, I like to spend a few minutes just like, tell me about how's life, how's things, how was, you know, your vacation last week that you said that you were going to go on? How did taking your kids to the zoo go? Did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? Because it gets them to open up about their life a little bit. And again, we just have that better relationship. We are able to actually chat and talk. And I really do enjoy that. And I have had clients kind of become like good friends because we just build that awesome relationship with each other. So in a way, you know, it is, there's also lines that you don't want to cross, right? And that's something to keep in mind, like getting to know your clients and all that kind of stuff is really good. And you should do that. However, though, you don't want it to cross over into an unprofessional level, like sleeping with your clients and that kind of thing. We don't do that. Um, so you also don't want it to cross over to like unprofessional because then also if you develop too much of a friendship with your clients, then it's kind of, they, they'll take you, they'll take certain things for advantage because they'll be like, oh, you know, my trainer, Stephanie, we're like best friends. She doesn't care if I cancel on her and stuff all the time. You don't want it to travel over to that side of things. So still getting to know your clients, being friendly with them, chatting about life, but also at the same time, don't cross over to an unprofessional level. And the other thing is, is also don't spill your own tea on your life to your clients. I mean, you can tell a story if it relates to what they're talking about or what they're venting about, but also keep it professional on your end of things that you're not, you know, inappropriately talking to your clients about things. So just keep that in mind. One other thing when it comes to client relationships is be upfront and honest about things like your costs, as well as your cancellation policies. I have made this mistake in the past, especially with the cancellation policies. So most standard um, service industries nowadays, like hairdressers, personal trainers, even massage therapists, example, have a 24-hour cancellation policy. Now, obviously shit happens. And how hard and how stickler you have to be about your cancellation policy really 
depends on you. I've seen some trainers where they're super extreme strict about their cancellation policies. And I mean, I get it. Like, you know, your time is valuable. So if you're doing in-person training, your time is valuable. Your time is money. If I have a client that cancels on me, I lose out on that money. So, you know, at the same time, yes, I'm trying to pay my bills, but I'm also not trying to be a dick. So, I mean, how strict do you have to be? I don't know. Like I said, I've had, I've seen trainers where like, you know, the client gets into a car accident, like breaks their leg and they'll still charge them. I don't know. That's morally kind of up to you what the flexibility on that would be. But at the same time, it's really, really hard when your clients take advantage of you. And so I have not in the past expressed the cancellation policy super or explained it really well. And then I had clients take advantage of me. And then I lose out on money because you drove to the gym. So I'm spending money on my commute. I'm at the gym, taking my time there. I don't get paid until that client shows up and my client doesn't show up for whatever reason. They were sick. They forgot they slept in. I had a client tell me that they were hung over once that did not go over well. Like, you know, so you have to be upfront about your cancellation policies. If you have a can and hold them to it. If you have a cancellation policy, that's like 24 hours in advance and you took the time to drive there and show up or whatever it might be. And they cancel on you last minute. You, ha- you know, you have to explain to them and just be honest about it and be like, this is my policy. You knew that. And the other thing is, is explain your cancellation policy the day that they start. The day that they start, you explain that to them. And you can put it in your documents that they sign or whatever, so that you can also pull that up if they're being difficult. But if you respect your time, your clients will respect your time. And generally speaking, the ones that don't respect your time, they're not going to stick around for forever. They're really not. And in all honesty, they're generally not worth your time, um, because they take advantage of you. Okay. The ones that respect you won't take advantage of you and they will be understanding. And I have clients who are hashtag adults and they understand that if they cancel last minute, you're going to get charged. So if you're a young personal trainer, it's hard. And it's, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to learn this lesson the hard way, but at the same time, be honest about your cancellation policy, pricing, all that kind of stuff. So that nothing is a surprise when these things come up so that if your client counsels on you last minute, you have to say, you know, you know, my cancellation policy, this is my time that I am working. And if I miss out on clients, that means that I miss out on my wage, which means that it makes it a hard time to pay the bills. So I'm going to have to charge you just like any other service would do. Your masseuse would do that. Your therapist would do that. Your, uh, you know, hairstylist would do that. You make up the cancellation policy and you can modify it or whatever, but you just got to be honest and upfront from the beginning with your clients about it. Anyways, that's a little rambling. Okay. Next one. (laughs) Next tip that I would give is don't talk to people like they're stupid. I have seen trainers do this and you have to remember that people, like I said, average everyday people aren't head first into the industry, looking up articles, reading, you know, following in on Instagram and on social media, fitness folks and stuff like that. They don't know 
you know, the differences between the four different quad muscles on your legs. They don't know these types of things. They don't know what abs exercises are best or, you know, that a calorie deficit and is what causes weight loss. So don't talk to people like they're stupid when they ask you questions or they're not sure about something, or you see somebody at the gym doing wrong form on an exercise. Don't talk to people like they're stupid. They don't like that. Nobody likes that. I don't like that. The other thing is, is also don't use big scientific words so that you sound smart. Okay. I learned this when I was a vet tech, actually, is if you give people the technical terms and you explain shit so technically that they don't understand it, how are they supposed to understand and really truly know what they're doing? Explain it like you would explain it to just a regular person. Don't be, I mean, you know, you don't have to talk to them like they're stupid, but just explain it to them in layman's terms. When I was a vet tech, this was a hard lesson that I learned because in school you learn all this cool, fancy medical talk. And like, it made me sound cool. And I would know what, like they were talking about on Grey's Anatomy or on house because like, I, you know, the medical terms transfer from animal to humans. So yes, I can understand medical and I can speak medical talk, but at the same time, most of my clients, when I was a vet tech, they don't speak that. So you have to learn to explain things in layman's terms and be able to just answer people's questions without making them feel like a dick because there aren't any stupid questions. If somebody's asking you a question they don't know the answer to, don't make them feel stupid. Help them out. Answer the question. Even if it is, how do I lose fat around my stomach that you've been asked 17 times? Answer it for them. Don't be a dick about it. So... I can't express that one enough. Next tip. Um, and this is something that I also went through personally is you might not be able to dive in full time right from the start. So you may have to kind of do the side hustle situation. And I had to do this as well, where I started training clients while I still had a full-time stable job. Now this all depends on you and your situation and what you have and nobody else can know this but you. But for some people like me, I still needed a job to pay my bills. I needed to make sure that I was making a certain amount of money every month so that I could pay my bills. So I started doing online and in-person kind of on the side while still working my full-time everyday job before I was able to take the dive. Even after I did take the dive, I still had to supplement my income a little bit by working at the front desk of the gym that I was contracted at. Now this served many great different purposes because number one, it gave me a little bit of extra income. Number two, it gave me more time in the gym so that I was meeting people, seeing people. I got to know the regulars. I got to know who was, who usually comes in at what time. Um, and it really helped. So if I could give any recommendations, it would be to, yes, if you get contracted at a gym, amazing, fantastic, but know that they're probably not going to fill your personal training roster for you hundred percent. So don't be afraid to work the desk hours, get to know people, talk to people when they come in and out, give people gym tours, clean the fucking toilets, whatever you got to do. But it helps to just get to know people a little bit more and show your face in the gym so that you can get to, you know, people get to know, like, and trust you, but also just being present there and getting a little bit of a paycheck, a consistent paycheck, because a lot of gyms, or at least the gym that I was contracted at with it, when it came to my personal training, I didn't get paid unless I had a client. 
So I could be at the gym, but if I didn't have clients, I didn't get paid. So at least working at the front desk for a few hours a week here and there, um, helped give me at least like a paycheck paycheck. So something to consider, like I said, only you, you know, your situation and what you need. Um, but just know that it's a slow build. You're not going to fill your client roster right away. You're going to have to hustle a little bit for that. And that's fine but it just needs to be built up. So you literally kind of just have to start with one client and then get that client amazing, awesome results and then work up from there. Next one. And this was a hard one for me to learn as well is don't niche down too quickly. So a lot of people really want, especially like you'll hear business mentors and stuff like that, talk about like, oh, find your niche, find your ideal client. In some ways I agree with this, in some ways I don't. So yes, most people in any industry kind of have a ideal client or people that they prefer to work with. And that's fine. So there's personal trainers that, you know, specialize with athletes. There's personal trainers that specialize with seniors. There's personal trainers that specialize in bodybuilding, powerlifting, uh, you know, track running. There's personal trainers that only work with hockey players. There's personal trainers that do postpartum and work with pregnant women and stuff like that. Just all over the place. Right. However, though, if you niche down too quickly, number one, it's hard to really truly know what your niche is because you haven't worked with a ton of different groups of people. Number two, your niche is usually a select amount of people. And number three, you don't get experience working with different types of people and that, and working on your people skills. So I can't recommend enough, especially when you're in the beginning, you can't really be too picky about your clients. So work with everyone within your scope, right? If you've never worked with hockey players before, don't try to work with hockey players, but don't be afraid to work with seniors or people who are a little bit older, as long as it's within your scope. Remember, uh, will be my next tip is work within your scope of practice. Okay. Um, you know, work with older people, work with some younger people, work with professionals, work with some moms, as long as you're not focusing on postpartum within your scope of practice, work with all different kinds of people and personalities and all this stuff. And you'll, you will likely find in working with different types of people, what is actually your niche and who you actually enjoy working with the most. Everybody thinks that they want to work with athletes and bodybuilders and like work with high level people. But really my favorite people to work with are the average everyday Janes, everyday Janes who are busy. They got jobs, they're professional, but at the same time they, and they want to, you know, get strong and get fit and feel good about themselves. But at the same time, they don't want to give up pizza. Like everyday Janes are my people because I am that person. And also know that your niche also when you do decide and start to niche down, your niche might not be you. And that's okay. A lot of people feel like they want to work with like basically themselves, somebody who's committed to the gym, loves the gym or whatever, but that might not be you and that's okay. So just a little bit of advice. Don't be too picky at first, work with who you can and you will find that your people skills will get way better. Your ability to change programs and modify things for each person will get better and stuff. And it gives you a wide variety of experience with different people and also different people, know different people who may be within your ideal niche. And then later on down the road, when you have experience, you can be a little bit more picky about who you want to work with. So the next one, we talked about this, but 
Work within your scope of practice. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb in doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. Don't be dumb working with people who you should probably refer out to other people. Never be afraid to say, I don't know, or you know what, that's not within my scope of practice, but I would love to get you a referral for somebody who is. And I do that quite often. I don't specialize with with postpartum. I don't specialize with pregnancy. So if I have somebody who specifically, you know, needs attention, postpartum pregnancy, et cetera, I will be upfront and honest with them and say, that's not really within my scope. That's not my specialty, but this is where having a network has its advantages, but I will refer you to this person. I had somebody about a year ago message me asking me if I make meal plans, uh, because she was having some issues with high potassium. And number one, if you are a personal trainer and you are not a registered dietitian, you cannot be making meal plans. You can give nutrition advice. Okay. And guidance, which is what I do, but you can't be saying, this is what you eat. This is what you eat. This is what you eat. This is what you don't eat. That is not up to you. That's up to a registered dietitian. There is a difference. Um, and I said to her, I was like, look, this is, that is out of my scope of practice. And she's like, well, I thought that you helped people with nutrition. I was like, yes, I do. By giving them guidance, by helping them give them tips on how to get more protein in, by giving them calorie ranges. But you have a very specific issue that needs to be addressed by a dietitian. And I referred her out and I reached out to my network and found a dietitian who works with somebody who has these types of issues and whether or not she reached out to her is beyond me. But I at least went through the work of getting the referral for her to say, look, this is a person if you want to contact with this specific advice. So don't be afraid to say, I don't know, I'm not sure. But then also you can go look it up or, you know, find a person who can help you with that. People appreciate that. They really do appreciate when you say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out who knows and I will get you the answer. I will get you somebody who can help you. People really do appreciate that. So don't go outside of your scope of practice because also legal issues. Okay. Don't be dumb. Okay. Next one is understand that you're not going to be able to help every single person. And this goes to, there are some people who maybe just aren't ready to fully commit into the goals that they want to achieve. And there are some cases where you're going to really try to work with people and they are just not, you guys just don't mesh and that's okay. You're not made for everybody. And that's what I mean by eventually you will niche down because you'll discover these but you're not going to be able to help every single person out there. And that's okay. And that's a lesson that I had to learn the hard way where I have felt like I put more effort into people achieving their goals than they did. And it's heartbreaking when I realize I can't, I I can't help you because you're not either working with me or maybe our personalities don't mesh or whatever it might be. And It's good to understand that there will be people that you will help. There's going to be many people that you are going to help. And there's going to be some people who you can't help. And that's okay. It's hard. It's a really hard lesson to learn. I get it. I've been there. It sucks. But it is okay. Um, There are just some people that maybe they just need a different person or maybe it's not the right time or whatever it might be. Or maybe they think that they want to achieve one goal, but really they need to focus on something else at this time. And that's okay. It's totally okay. It's not that they are a bad person. It's not that they suck or anything like that. It's just 
Sometimes it's just not the right person, right time or right place. And that's okay. Next one kind of goes into the last one is don't take it personally when clients quit. Again, a really hard one. And this is kind of like preaching to the choir when I talk about this one, because there is going to come a time where you're going to have clients quit. And it could be for various different reasons. One of the most common reasons that does come up for me is financial. Generally speaking, when it comes to finances, people can lose their jobs. They had shit come out, their car breaks like completely and they need to replace their car or what their husband gets sick and they have to take time off work, whatever it might be. Shit happens. And unfortunately, personal training can be one of the first things that gets cut out. And I learned this, you know, especially during 2020 when people were getting laid off and stuff and it sucks. It really does. But you can't take everything too personally when it comes to situations like that. Now, if a client is saying, is coming to you with a bunch of feedback and is trying to, you know, get you to listen to them and you're just not listening to them at all, you know, and your personalities are not meshing or whatever, take time to listen to them and hear them out on what they're trying to say. Because they may have some good advice and maybe there's a reason why your personalities aren't meshing or something like that. But if you have a client that, for example, is just, you know, financial reasons come up, mental health comes up, uh, all of these different reasons, and they need to take some time off training as much as it sucks. And I understand that. Don't try not to take it too personally. Try to learn from it though. If you know that maybe you didn't give them the world's best service, or if you know, maybe you could have done better on something, definitely take what they say or take what you know, and put it into action for the next client. Um, you can ask people for feedback and just ask them like, you know, is there any feedback that you can give about your experience working with me? Don't be afraid of feedback and criticism because a lot of times, you know, if a client is willing to give you some feedback on whether they liked certain things, didn't like certain things, it gives you an idea of what you can do differently or change or, or not change, uh, for your services because you are in a service-based industry. So do keep that in mind. So anyways, it's a hard one. I still have a hard time, you know, uh, not really taking it personally, but just thinking like, oh, did I drop the ball? Did I disappoint them? Did I screw up? Did something? And you know, you kind of have to really analyze how you're doing and whatever. And like I said, just don't be afraid to ask for feedback. Um, next one is there's going to be busy seasons and there's going to be slow seasons. So I have kind of learned over the past few years that the personal training kind of goes on a bit of a roller coaster throughout the year. So generally speaking in the new year, January, you'll get a little bit busier. Okay. Just on average, on average, not every year is super crazy like that. Like this year, 2022, I've talked to a few different trainers and they're finding the same thing where it's just not as busy. And if you're a personal trainer who's rocking it in the new year, good for you. I'm happy for you. Proud of you. But generally speaking in January, in the beginning months of the year, it gets busy. Then summertime comes. And this is just what I've noticed. Other trainers might know it's different, but I've noticed summertime comes. And especially here in Alberta, our summers are short and people want to take advantage of them. Um, and it gets a little bit slower. So it gets a little bit slower around the summertime, but then in the fall, when kids are going back to school, people are getting back to their routines, et cetera. It gets busier again. And then usually around Christmas time, it 
might get a little bit slow because people are on holidays and stuff like that, but then you get geared up again for the new year. So there are busy seasons and there are slow seasons. And sometimes you have to make hay while sun shines and then take a little bit of time when it's not as busy. And especially you'll notice it a lot with in-person training sessions where you're going to have busy weeks, not as busy weeks. It will eventually work out in the wash as you get more experienced and stuff, and you'll learn to go with the ebbs and flows, but just know that it's totally okay to have busy seasons and slow seasons and you can navigate through it. It's hard, but you'll navigate through it. Um, next one, this is for self-employed people, um, set aside money for taxes and get an accountant. Okay. Just do it so that you're not left with a surprise at tax time because you're self-employed. Um, also look into things like write-offs and stuff like that because you're self-employed, you work for yourself. You can do certain things like gas mileage, uh, vehicle stuff. Um, if you work from home, like I do quite a bit, your certain things, your home bills and utilities and stuff like that. So just get an accountant, keep track of your shit. Um, I did not keep good track of my stuff for the first couple of years. And that bit me in the ass because I didn't realize how much better I could have done on my taxes if I just tracked my shit. So, you know, set some money aside in a separate account. Don't touch it. So that when tax times come, when tax time comes, uh, you can pay your taxes. Okay. Because when you're self-employed, you don't get taxes taken off your wages. So you have to do it yourself. So get an accountant, set money aside for taxes. Last one, and I cannot emphasize this one enough, focus on your clients and focus on giving them the best service that you possibly can. A lot of people, like I said, really get into the industry just to make money and they want to make a quick buck or they try to focus on just getting new clients, getting new clients, getting new clients without focusing on the ones that they already have. You have amazing clients who will be your walking billboard. They will be preaching to their friends about you and singing your praises. So focus on them and giving them the best experience that you possibly can. Be warm, be open to them, be welcoming, chat with them, get to know them, take their, you know, ask them how they're feeling about their progress, what goals they want to achieve. Don't tell people what goals they should be achieving, by the way. Don't tell people what goals they should be achieving. Uh, if a person says that they're not interested in weight loss, don't tell them that they need to lose weight. Okay. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Can't express that enough. God. Um, don't assume people's goals. Don't anything like that. Listen to your clients and give them the best service that they possibly can, because these are the people that are number one, paying your bills. Number two, going to be giving you referrals to other people. And number three are going to be promoting you. So give your current clients the best possible service that you can. Don't be on your phone during your sessions. Talk to them like they're human beings. Don't tell them that they need to lose weight if they don't want to lose weight. Don't force them to do stuff that they don't want to do. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Don't yell at them. You can give them tough love, but don't yell at them. People don't like that. So that's really the ultimate advice that I can give is if you want to be a good successful personal trainer is just focus on your clients and giving them the best experience possible because they are the ones that are going to be helping you build your business and get more clients. So anyways, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it is different is different than what my episodes normally are like. So if you have feedback on this episode and you liked it, didn't like it or whatever, 
let me know. I just thought it was something different and talk more about the business side of personal training. And like I said, I have not, you know, I'm hoping that in five, 10, 15 years, I'm going to have even more advice on how to be an awesome personal trainer and, you know, be successful and all that kind of stuff. But this is just kind of some base knowledge that I've learned over the past few years in being in the fitness industry. Anyways, if you don't follow me on social media already, you can follow me. I will post my Instagram in the link in my show notes, as well as you can find my TikTok and all that kind of stuff from my Instagram. If you have questions about my online training, personal training options, you can definitely head to my website, www.fitlikeagirl, all one word, .ca, and you can reach out to me through there, ask me questions about my personal training options, as well as apply for in-person training on there as well. And lastly, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate everybody who comes by the podcast. If you're liking what I'm doing on the podcast so far, I would love and appreciate a five-star written review. They just help boost views on the podcast. And so more people can find it and I can help more people just like you. In the meantime, I will talk to you all later and take care, fam.